Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're having a nice weekend. U.S. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is our guest today. An extremely eventful time in our country. McConnell has played key roles in much of what's happening. Right now there's a clamor in the country after the school shooting massacre in Texas. Many are pushing for gun control measures. Some are pushing hard for mental health reforms. McConnell helped push through a $40 billion aid package for Ukraine and U.S. allies uh, helping after the uh, Russian invasion. An abortion decision expected any time from the U.S. Supreme Court, and McConnell has helped steer money to Kentucky to deal with opioid abuse and clean up from disastrous tornadoes. All of this as the economic picture in the country has major challenges. That includes record high gas prices and runaway inflation. Senator McConnell also spending some time during this congressional break to talk about some other issues as he visits people back home here in Kentucky. Kentucky's longest serving U.S. Senator ever is here with us, Senator McConnell. Thanks for coming. We appreciate Bill, it very much. Be back. Well, you've come at a busy time, obviously. <laughs> uh, the school shooting in Texas uh, that uh, follows uh, uh, so many others is uh, no question uh, heartbreaking. Many are calling for action from Congress, agreeing on what to do, of course, is the challenge. As it relates to gun restrictions, you have allowed Republicans to explore options with Democrats. Uh, where does that stand? Do you think there can be something agreed to that can pass? Well, as we're taping, yes. um, I've asked John Cornyn from Texas, uh, who's a former uh, Supreme Court Justice in Texas, to take the lead on our side to see if we can <clears throat> come up with a bipartisan proposal that targets the problem. And the problem seems to me is clearly in two areas, mental illness, and school safety. With regard to the Second Amendment <clears throat> and the gun rights of adults, I think not only does the Constitution go a long way to protect the rights of individuals to own firearms, but it's in the culture of our country as well. But if you look at these shootings, the pattern for almost all of them over the last 30 years <clears throat> has been young people with mental problems in schools. And so um, that's what we're trying to do is to target the actual problem and see if we can come up with a bipartisan proposal <clears throat> consistent with the Constitution that allows us to tackle it. And I'm hopeful we'll get there. Would you say uh, nothing regarding <laughs> guns is likely to be part of uh, I'm, I'm not going to rule anything in or out at this point. But I'd like for it to be targeted to the actual problem. And the actual problem, it seems to me, pretty obviously after this series of school shootings by underage young men, relates to school safety and mental health. Well, Senator, uh, some <clears throat> who are, you know, strong advocates for for gun ownership still say there needs to be a, a process that maybe slows some of this down, that maybe it, it, it takes longer to purchase a, a weapon like that, or the red flag rules have been proposed that would allow a court to temporarily take weapons away from someone who's deemed to be uh, a danger to themselves or others. Uh, you indicated some openness to talk about that after Sandy Hook. Are you still there? Well, what I, I don't think you and I ought to sit here and negotiate this package. I've, I've deputized John Cornyn to uh, 
to work with the Democrats. I've talked to some of the Democrats in the group as well. Let's see what they can come up with, <clears throat> and then I think we can discuss it more intelligently because then we'll know exactly what's before us. What time frame do you think we're working uh, Soon, on? I hope. Uh, they're working on We are in congressional recess this week, but um, the members on the Democrat and Republican, in this Democrat and Republican group have been talking during the week uh, by Zoom and phone, and hopefully we'll be moving towards something quickly. You have mentioned uh, mental health. Uh, <clears throat> that has been uh, much of the Republican focus in, in the wake of these shootings. There was another one in Oklahoma uh, this week, and then of course we know about the Buffalo grocery store. Uh, massacre. Uh, is there any emerging legislation or strategy to address mental health uh, at the federal level? We've done some of it before. I think it needs to be more robust and uh, identifying these uh, potential uh, criminals is very challenging and figuring out exactly what we can do at the federal level to impact that is very challenging. But that's clearly a problem that everybody agrees is a problem. And these are not well-balanced people who are doing this. And if they were able to be identified somehow and prevented from being in a position to carry these heinous crimes out, we'd all benefit. Don't we have a lot of unmet mental health needs in the country altogether? Yeah, I think so. And I think the pandemic probably exacerbated the problem. Uh, but particularly uh, with these heinous uh, criminal acts, we, we need to find a way to try to make a difference, and that's what we're in the process of trying to do right now. School security <clears throat> obviously is a priority for most Americans. The Kentucky legislature uh, passed a law that requires an armed security guard, a, a resource officer, in every school effective August 1st. They did not fund that. Uh, an armed officer was supposed to be on duty in Texas. Uh, is there a better approach to uh, school security that some federal allocation might help address? Well, I'm not sure at the federal level, but I know in Texas they're looking at whether or not the protocol was followed, and we expect to get some kind of a report about exactly what uh, law enforcement at the school did. It clearly didn't stop the crime, and um, we're going to get a full report on that from, from the Texas uh, investigation. When you see these things happen over and over as they have. Oh, it's, it's heart-wrenching, absolutely heart-wrenching. And um, I, I think there's a bipartisan agreement. If we can figure out some way to have a positive impact on deterring these kinds of events, uh, we want to do it. You've recently returned from a visit to Ukraine. You also stopped and visited U.S. allies in Finland and Sweden, uh, and you returned to push through a $40 billion U.S. aid package. Uh, what did you see and learn on your trip? The Ukrainians are an inspiration, and their leader is an inspiration. Uh, we've come to refer to him as Winston Churchill in a T-shirt. Um, he has uh, inspired his own people inspired the rest of the world, and Vladimir Putin is having a very unpleasant experience. None of this has worked out the way he hoped it would work out. He thought the Ukrainians would be easy to take. In fact, he lost more of his own military personnel in the first two weeks than our country lost in Afghanistan and Iraq together in 20 years, in two weeks. So the Ukrainians are putting up one hell of a fight, and they've only asked us to help them. 
and it's not just us. All the Eastern European countries who are in, who used to be in the old Soviet bloc, are doing extraordinary things. Uh, the Poles, for example, have got a million Ukrainian refugees living in their homes, taking care of them. When we landed in Poland for a trip into Kiev to see Zelensky, the good news was that was a couple of weeks ago. There are more people going back than coming out. So I think in the western part of the country they feel pretty safe in going back. Uh, clearly the Russians are trying to peel off the eastern part of the country where there used to be Russian sympathizers, but President Zelensky told me that the Russian sympathizers are all gone now based upon Russian behavior. And so he wants his country back, which means all of his country, and they're willing to fight to get it back. In the meantime, the other thing Putin didn't anticipate was that rather than fracturing NATO, it's unified NATO, and Finland and Sweden, which have always maintained a kind of pro-European but neutral policy militarily, uh, both want to come into NATO, and I had the opportunity to actually be physically present in both Stockholm and Helsinki when they were debating it on the floor. And I wanted to reassure uh, the Europeans that Republicans in America still believe in NATO. There's some question about that during the previous administration. We're all behind helping Ukraine, with the exception of a small number. And um, it was a thrill to be there. Uh, we'll have two treaties before the Senate as rapidly as we can get them to take in both uh, Finland and Sweden. They have well-developed militaries already and very smartly are not very dependent, if at all, on Russian energy. Will this uh, package that has now passed uh, uh, be the sum total of what the United States will need to do in this uh, regard? Well, we don't know. We don't know yet. Um, it's a slug it out in the eastern part of the country right now, and um, the, the, the weapons that we approved in the $40 billion package are just getting there. So we'll have to see. Americans were told by President Biden that there would be sacrifice uh, in helping uh, Ukraine deal with the Russian aggression. Uh, does that help people process, in your view, Senator, accepting higher inflation and the record gasoline prices that we're seeing right now? Well, first of all, Vladimir Putin didn't create the gas price increase. That's been going on all year. And that's a direct result of 40-year inflation created by what the government itself did. This administration on a party line basis dumped $2 trillion on the American economy in 2021. Larry Summers, Bill Clinton, Secretary of the Treasury, said at that time, this is a huge mistake. It's going to create record-breaking inflation, and it has. 40-year high inflation, not created by Vladimir Putin, but Joe Biden and that $2 trillion so-called rescue package, dumping all of that money onto the economy, produced this wave of inflation. There's also the question of the general competence of the administration. The botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, by the way, I was among those who thought we should not have been withdrawing, we were not in combat anymore. Uh, but even if you thought it was a good idea to, to, to get out of uh, uh, Afghanistan, you couldn't have done it in a worse way. They can't even, they, look, they can't even figure out how to get baby formula. The baby formula crisis, entirely anticipated back months ago. So I think the country is looking at all of this and wondering about the basic competence 
of this all-democratic government. If you look at this spending, as you say, as, as sort of a balance sheet, that, that what states got and what they're able to do because of that, that money they got, both in the rescue plan and the infrastructure bill. Infrastructure is a different issue. And look at what has happened with inflation. Does it balance out? I mean, Kentucky got a lot of money in both of those uh, federal spending bills. Well, on the infrastructure bill, I supported that. I thought it was the right thing to you do. Did. The last two administrations have tried to pull it off, and it'll spend out over a long period of time and isn't the driver of inflation. The $2 trillion so-called rescue package passed without a single Republican vote in early 21 is, according to Larry Summers and Jason Furman, by the way, Obama's top economics guy, at the time said this is going to create record-breaking inflation. It did. This administration, Secretary Yellen just this week admitted they made a mistake. You don't see that very often in any administration. This was a colossal blunder. What are we seeing in the, with the economy right now is people are buying and spending and taking vacations and we have more job openings than, than there are people to fill them. Is there uh, anything that can be done to deal with this workforce issue? Or yeah, the, the problem is we dump so much of this money <clears throat> on the country that many Americans have more money in their pocket they've ever had before. And I was just in a meeting earlier today in Mount Sterling where I heard the same old stories I've been hearing all over the Commonwealth, that a lot of people take a look at their financial condition underwritten by the federal government, dumping all this money on the economy and conclude they'd rather not go back to work. So we have a workforce problem. Uh, I had a reservation at a restaurant in Louisville a couple weeks ago. Fortunately, we called in advance to see if everything was okay, and they said, we can't open. How do people escape detection, though, in the unemployment numbers that are out there? The Kentucky right but, now but is historic unemployment. Unemployment is depend upon those willing to work the workforce that's willing to work is how you figure unemployment. We've had a whole lot of people who've dropped out of the workforce and therefore do not even get counted because workforce participation, that is willingness to work, is at record lows. And the reason it's at record lows is because we have dumped all of this money on the economy. The good news is some of these people, I think, figure they can do just fine without working. The bad news is everything costs so much more. On balance, the wage increases in order to try to get people back to work don't anywhere come close to what it costs to live now. Look at the last time you filled up your car. Look at the last time you went to the grocery store. All produced by dumb government policies brought to you by an extraordinarily left-wing administration. We're with Kentucky's U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell. He is the Republican leader in the U.S. Senate. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Our final minutes with the senator in just a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. We're visiting with Kentucky U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell, continuing our discussion. Lots of news going on right now. Uh, there was a leak a few weeks ago indicating that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn Roe versus Wade that guarantees a woman's right to an abortion. If that happens, would you support leaving that issue to states or would you try to make abortion legal or illegal on a national basis? Well, we don't have the decision yet. Because of an unfortunate leak, uh, we've started to debate already, not knowing really what the outcome is. If the court were to rule that 
Roe versus Wade is no longer the law, what it would do is to put the decision on this issue back into democratically elected governments, could be the federal level, could be the state level. I think most of my members believe that this is best left to the states, although it is possible legally, I assume, for the Congress to act. It would take 60 votes in the Senate. There, there haven't been 60 votes for anything related to this subject in the years that I've been there. My assumption is these decisions would basically be made, if that were to be the, the outcome of the case, at the state level. Kentucky continues to deal with the tough drug issues. Fentanyl has been uh, made it even harder. Opioid overdoses continue to trend upward. You have directed some money to Kentucky. Can we get this scourge under control? We're trying. We're trying. It, it's, it, um, it's a horrendous problem. Actually only made worse once again by one of the failures of the current administration. We have an almost totally open border now. Uh, the previous administration actually did a very good job on border security. It did have an impact on fentanyl getting into the country. Uh, this is horrendous. We are doing everything we can at the federal level to fund these local inspirational efforts carried out by people who do this for a living. Election season is coming. You obviously have vested interest. You'd like to return uh, to <laughs> being a majority leader. Were you surprised, though, that Kentucky's other U.S. Senator, Rand Paul, went to Alabama to campaign for Mo Brooks for a Senate seat there when Brooks' <laughs> campaign is directed at not having you be the Republican leader. Well, look, I think we're going to have a Republican senator in Alabama, for sure, no matter who it is. And I'm not particularly concerned about whether I'll be reelected leader again. I have plenty of support in my conference. You support uh, Paul's re-election in Kentucky. Oh, of course. And he's, but so often the two of you split on issues. Yeah, we, we did on Ukraine. We don't as have well. the same worldview on a number of things, but we have a good personal relationship, and I'm for him, and he's been for me. As you look ahead to next year's Kentucky elections, mm. uh, the Republicans are going to have a very crowded uh, <clears throat> field for governor. We repealed our Kentucky runoff in 2008. Uh, what would happen if, uh, you know, somebody gets that nomination with just a sliver of support? That happens in most states. Most states don't have a runoff, and whoever gets the most votes uh, is the nominee. I mean, what you and I were talking about before we started the program was how astonishing it is these days to see so many Republicans running. I can remember when we used to have to beg people to run for, for governor on the Republican ticket because they didn't think the nomination was worth having. Now we have a, a sharp group of outstanding young Republicans who all want to be governor. Are you uh, prepared to endorse any candidates no, in any I'm, races next year? No, I'm not. Uh, you on. know, you su obviously supported Russell Coleman for U.S. attorney in the Western District. He's now running for attorney general. Are you ready to be involved in that? In well, any? look, I, Russell's an old friend. And I'm sure I'll contribute. <clears throat> he doesn't need my support to run his race. And I don't think the Republican voters in our, in our state need any advice from me about who to be for for governor. You know, I talk to hmm. so many people these days who are just disillusioned by the current political environment. And, you know, you've seen it change, obviously, in 40 years. But so many people out there who don't describe themselves as hard left or hard right that feel that they have no voice in this starkly red and blue uh, America that we have these <clears throat> days. Uh, uh, will things change? 
Well, they do have a voice. Uh, even even in this total democratic government we currently have, we did two major things on a bipartisan basis. Infrastructure, which meant $5 billion for Kentucky and the Brent's Fence Bridge, for example. Postal reform, which is extraordinarily important to rural and small town Kentucky. If we have divided government for the last two years of Biden's term, and I'm the majority leader, and we have a Republican majority in the House, what we'll do is look for things within the 40-yard lines that we can agree on and try to do those. It'll, it'll be a period of stability for the country. Neither side will have enough power to do things exactly their own way, but we'll be looking for things like infrastructure and postal reform that make progress for the country that we can do on a bipartisan basis. You've been out visiting, this will be our final question, the state this week, I know, and you've talked about lots of issues, polio for uh, one thing, and, and these other issues that are going on right now out there. When you visit people, do they have a lot of questions? You know, the, the, the biggest concern everybody has, you and I have already discussed, they are stunned by inflation. It is a huge tax, particularly on low-income people. It is exasperating that this has happened because it was so avoidable. This is a direct result of all Democratic government without any Republican support dumping two trillion dollars on the economy in 21. It was totally avoidable. And so that's why the president is getting such low marks and why the chances of my party getting the House and Senate back this fall are so good. Senator McConnell, thanks for coming. Appreciate Thank it. You.